Fast forward to the end of 2024. Think of your goals. What can you do right now to give yourself the best chance of succeeding? If you want to learn a new language, you absolutely should get Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts to help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. I absolutely love Babbel because their courses help me learn real-life conversational skills. It's so easy to learn how to order food, ask for directions, speak to the locals without having to consult language apps. Babbel has over 16 million subscriptions sold. Plus, all of Babbel's 14 award-winning language courses are backed by their 20-day money-back guarantee. Here's a special limited-time offer for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription, but only for our listeners, at babbel.com SPP. Get up to 60% off at babbel.com SPP. That's spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com SPP. Rules and restrictions may apply. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. This episode of Smart People Podcast is supported by Sidekick by HubSpot. With Sidekick, you can get powerful contact insight right in your inbox. Sidekick seamlessly integrates with your email so you can receive live notifications when someone opens and clicks on your emails and schedule emails to be sent when you're offline. Go to GetSidekick.com smartpeople to get your first month of Sidekick for free. Try it out. Sidekick is awesome. And now, on to the show podcast where we talk to smart people but not necessarily done by smart people that is an awesome question this one goes down probably on one of my top five hey i like nutrition i like to eat food this is the coolest thing ever we're gonna do this forever i wish i paid more attention in that class you know i'm gonna be honest i don't understand that as a man i just i don't get it welcome to smartpeoplepodcast.com Hello and welcome to Smart People Podcast, conversations that satisfy your curious mind. Thanks so much for joining us today. I am Chris Stemp. I will be guiding you through this episode, as always. And this week, we're doing a little self-help, it feels like, which honestly is one of my favorite categories. We're lucky we don't do a lot more. You guys might get sick of me, but I just want to say, the guest we have on the show today has written such an amazing book. It has four and a half stars out of like 600 reviews on Amazon. He's a very well-known writer, but even more so, he's accomplished. He's advised many best-selling authors and multi-platinum musicians. He served as the director of marketing at American Apparel, and many of his campaigns actually have been used as case studies by Twitter, YouTube, and Google, and written about in a number of places. That guest I am talking about is Ryan Holiday. I believe I found him by just stumbling upon his book. I'm always looking for new ways to progress in life, to learn more, to really make positive change. And primarily in this episode, we're talking about his newest book called 
the obstacle is the way. We spend the first part of the episode talking about a topic that's near and dear to my heart, and I know many of you email us with questions about how do you do what you love? How do you find what you enjoy? How do you make that transition if you're in a career that you don't necessarily enjoy? And Ryan has a great perspective on this. You can tell with all the thinking and writing he does. He blogs at ryanholiday.net, and you can follow him at Twitter at Ryan Holiday. And I say that because a lot of the things he writes are really useful. We do spend a good portion of the interview at first talking about things like how to manage your time, how to do a hobby you love plus work, how to combine all of those. We then spend the second part of the interview talking about his book, which is all about the concept of stoicism. He uses the the man himself who kind of outlined stoicism, and that's Marcus Aurelius, and talks about what it is, how to utilize it to turn obstacles into jumping off points for success. One of my favorite quotes, and you can find you know a number of our favorite quotes on the website at smartpeoplepodcast.com, but one of my favorite is, wealth is created by scarcity. It's the fact that there are not many people who have been successful at the thing you're trying to do that makes it worth doing. I think we got to remember that often when we run into these struggles. So right before I turn it over to Ryan, I just wanted to say thank you to all of you who have checked out the article on LinkedIn and left comments. It's really motivated me to continue writing on there and summarize a lot of our episodes, our findings, and put them up there for you to read because sometimes you just maybe you forget or you missed an episode and you can consume that quickly. You can follow that. Just go to LinkedIn, connect with me or, you know, follow me. It's Chris Stemp. Um, and that's what we'll be writing under since you can't write under a company, which is weird. So I can't write under smart people podcast. And even more importantly, sign up for the newsletter where I'll be linking to those articles and that's where we do the giveaways. So one of the most recent giveaways was a premium subscription to Evernote. We're going to give away books. We're going to keep going and, and figure out new things. So uh, that's where we do that. You can sign up for that at smartpeoplepodcast.com. And thanks so much for listening. I hope this adds a little bit of brightness to your week, knowledge for your brain, and progress for your future. Here it is, an interview with Ryan Holiday. All right, Ryan. Well, again, thanks so much for being on the show. There's so many things I want to dive in and talk about, especially with your new book, The Obstacle is the Way. And I love just kind of the amount of research you've done. I love the fact you pull in all these older philosophers and the philosophies from them. So I want to get into that. But before that, you have a, an interesting background that spans kind of a wide variety of things. And I always like to know, let's hear a little bit about your journey and how you got to this book. Sure. Yeah, so I started working with authors uh, when I was in college. The, the first author that I worked with, he ended up taking a, his, he was a blogger at the time. He took that blog, he turned it into a best-selling book. So I sort of learned how this weird convergence of online media and traditional publishing were merging. And I thought that was really cool. And then through there, you know, I started working with another author who, who was Robert Greene, who wrote The 48 Laws of Power. And I spent, you know, several years as his sort of research assistant and as his apprentice. And so I learned kind of the, the, the craft of writing from, from him and also the craft of strategy and, and, and sales and, and those sort of things. And then I got another opportunity that fell in my lap, and that was um, 
Robert is on the board of American Apparel, which is a publicly traded company. Um, and, and I came in there as a consultant based on his recommendation. And I moved my way up the ranks. I eventually became the, the director of marketing. And then I sort of at the same, so I'm, I'm doing this traditional marketing and a brand, but I'm also doing publishing, which is my love. And, and I'm sort of on the one hand experiencing a moment in media and in, and in business that I thought was very interesting and doing this writing thing. And I, this all came together in my first book, which I published in 2012, called Trust Me, I'm Lying, Confessions of a Media Manipulator, uh, which was sort of an expose about how online media worked. And, you know, now I'm in a position where I, I sort of, unlike a lot of authors, I get to both write and have, uh, you know, a successful sort of business career. And the two are connected, but they're also independent of each other. And so this book came out of, you know, my sort of personal philosophy for uh, and the sort of the tools that I developed over, you know, my career, um, the strategies for dealing with pressure and stress based on the Roman philosophy of stoicism that I then, you know, had a chance to write a book about. Two things kind of jump out at me. One okay. is you have to be insanely busy. And I mean, I just know I'm a VP of marketing at a nonprofit and then I'm doing podcasts and trying to write. And uh, sometimes I feel like I'm not concentrating enough on one thing to make that one thing extremely successful. And sure. I wonder how you've balanced that because by all accounts, you are managing to keep the ball rolling forward and really you know, move all your things in the right direction. One, yes, I'm, I'm quite busy. And I think what you may have discovered this as well. So you're doing your podcast, you're the VP of marketing, you're also writing, but don't you find that it's not like you're doing three totally independent things. Yeah. What you what you learn doing the podcast, you funnel into the marketing that you do. And what you learn from marketing and podcast inspires you and helps you as a writer. So I think it's like if you do one thing, you have to focus totally on it and it takes up all your time. And it and mastering that one thing is quite difficult. Doing two things, especially two different things, is quite difficult. But doing three or four or five things that have some overlap actually is is maybe even easier than any of the other options because there's all this energy swirling about and you're able to sort of reach your hand in and mix it all together. And and so I find that, you know, what I'm experiencing with my clients is helping me with my own projects. When I'm testing and experimenting on my own projects, I turn around and use for my clients. And then what I experience and, and witness as sort of an observer, as someone who's privy to certain trends and activities, I get to write about and reveal to the public and they appreciate as well. So it all feeds into each other. And while I'm busy, I'm actually able to do a lot more than you would think. I, that's a really awesome explanation because I don't think enough people hear that, right? We often, and maybe it's because of our education or society, whatever you want to blame it on, but we're kind of told to pigeonhole ourselves, right? Like yeah. if you want to be an accountant, just get really good at that. And I know for myself and a lot of people listening, that doesn't vibe with them. I mean, if you're a creative and I've, I've fought this for years and years when I was working in finance and all this, you just, the thought of one location every day or one mm -hmm. job every day is, is actually traumatizing. I mean, it really sure. is beyond stressful. And so I want to get your take on, did you know that kind of from the beginning you had this need to explore different things. I know you're a voracious reader, so oftentimes I think that goes hand in hand. Was that just mm -hmm. something you accepted early on or did you fight it as well like I did? 
Um, a little of both. So look, I always wanted to be a writer, right? That was my goal. That's that, that was sort of my dream. But I just couldn't wrap my head around the fact, like the idea of studying writing. Whenever I would take writing classes, I would be like, what are we doing? Like, <laughs> these people aren't qualified to write about anything. Like, they're just sitting here writing. Like, nothing makes for more boring writing than, than someone who, who thinks about words too much, you know? So it's like, I wanted to be a writer, but I understood that really to qualify as being a writer, I had to go do and experience interesting things. So I, I went into business and specifically marketing. And I think what it was is when I was doing that, I realized, hey, this is really stimulating. It keeps me very busy and I'm good at it and it's lucrative, but it also doesn't totally fulfill me as a creative person. And so it was combining the two where I realized like, okay, as a writer, you can only do this like two or three hours a day, really, because that's just how writing works. So, so I write in the morning and then it's like, what am I going to do the rest of the day? Well, that's where my other career comes in. The benefit of that is that I can write whatever I want and not need to care as much about, you know, sort of writing to live. And then I can work and be successful with my other projects, but not ever feel like I'm selling out or I'm crushing my soul or that I've got 50 years of this before I can retire. It's so funny. It's it's a contrarian view. It just isn't readily accepted yet. I, I think it's sure. it's becoming more mainstream. I mean, it's something that we're just getting used to, but it's a difficult thing. And, and I completely agree with you. I kind of wish I would have heard somebody say this five years ago. And, and honestly, that's kind of why uh, I do this podcast and write is because people have learned these things. You don't have to struggle through it. So what recommendations do you have for people that feel they're pulled in so many different directions? Maybe they're, they're young, just out of college and uh, don't know which path to go on, or they're being told, take the safe route. You know, I was wondering if you, oh, I know you've done a lot of thinking on that. Yeah, well, of course. So I, I I know that position quite well because I actually dropped out of college to do this stuff. So for me, it's it's a couple things. Just because you're good at something and just because you can make a lot of money at it doesn't mean it's the only thing that you can do and it's the only thing that you're allowed to do and that you're like an idiot for passing up money because there are a lot of very wealthy people who hate their lives and you know, I don't think you want to do that. But at the same time, just because you have a hobby or because something fulfills you creatively – doesn't mean that it's the only thing that you're allowed to have time for in your life. And so look at the way that most people tend to do things and the assumptions that they have about them and understand, I think it was Steve Jobs who said this, they were just made up by people less smart than you. Like a lot of the rules <laughs> and the assumptions and the way things were, are supposed to be were rules made up by people who are either less successful, less ambitious, or more willing to compromise than you were. The fact that you have that people say, you know, you have to be trained as a writer to be a writer. It's not true. Or, you know, the fact that like, hey, you know, finance is a full time job. You can only do finance. You can't also write. That's also not true itself. Like do what you want to do. And I know that it's of course, it's easier said than done. But find the thing that like sort of keeps you up at night because you're so interested in the things that consume you and see how that might be something that you pursue as a career or as an occupation, but that doesn't mean that you can't do other things at the same time. And I found that it was sort of pursuing multiple paths simultaneously and then, you know, eliminating the ones that I didn't like as much, combining the ones that I did like is what allowed me to sort of create my own somewhat unique path and my own unique occupation and career and lifestyle. 
Yeah, I completely agree. And with all the opportunities available today, it's, you know, you can do that. This wasn't always the case. I, I talked to my dad about it a lot. I mean, he had one opportunity. It was going to the military. It was that or like work on an assembly line. I mean, right. was, so we can now utilize that. We need to accept that. And what right. is, the idea to one to, to a past generation, it's like, hey, you can have this hobby and it might make you $2,500 a month. But then you could still have a full-time job or you could still have a career that you pursue at the same time is preposterous. But right. it's, it's true. And there are million, millions of people that are doing that right now. And you can be one of those people if you like. Now for a quick break for a message from our sponsor, lynda.com, one of our favorites. They're here to make you smart. While you're not listening to the podcast, you can be taking one of over 3,000 courses online on lynda.com. These are topics like web development, photography, visual design, and business, as well as software training like Excel, WordPress, and Photoshop. All of their courses are taught by experts, which we love here, and new courses are added to the site every week. If you listen to the show with any regularity, you've heard us talk about Linda. It's a free 10-day trial, so you might as well sign up. You go to lynda.com slash smart people. But there's some of you who haven't. Why not? It's free. We know you love to learn. There's something that you're trying to learn right now. Lynda.com probably has it. Get unlimited access to every course, access to view tutorials on tablets and iPhone, plus Android mobile devices, and access to new courses that are added every week. So do something for your brain. Solve that problem. Go to lynda.com slash smart people. That's L-Y-N-D-A dot com slash smart people and sign up for a free 10-day trial today. Let's get back to the show. Absolutely. And one of the things you said that I've heard often and up until recently, I, I kind of didn't even, I didn't like it, right? It's the idea of do what keeps you up at night because mm -hmm. I think people... And again, I'm speaking out of personal experience, but struggle with that because nothing just gets you like so revved up. I mean, maybe it's for me, I want to be a baseball player. Okay. But right. that, that dream left a long time ago. And then I kept going, man, that like, what do I want to do? Swim with dolphins every day or, be, right. I mean, hell, I, I wanted to be a golf pro. So I went and worked at a golf course for a year until I realized that sucked because you make $9 to run a cash register for a couple of years, you know? So, right. and so I want to get your take on this because this is a true story. Just the other night, I woke up at four o'clock in the morning, uh, wide awake, and I pulled out my phone and I started taking notes on a speech I'm working on because I'm getting into speaking at universities kind of on this subject of thrive and, and career paths. Mm -hmm. And that was one of the first times when I woke up, I took notes, I couldn't really go back to sleep. I woke up kind of early, ready to start writing. And I was just like, damn, this is what it is, man. This is what they're talking about. And so for those out there that feel like they haven't quite discovered it yet, do you have any advice on how you might come across that or, you know, to ease the mind? Well, look, I, I think what's interesting about the story is maybe what you left out. It's not like you got struck in a, there was a moment of inspiration for writing in general. Like you'd already put yourself in a position to start work, to start doing speeches. Like you already started writing, you've done all these other things you don't magically figure out what it is that you want to do. Like I knew vaguely that I wanted to be a writer. I knew vaguely that I wanted to be successful in, in business and advise companies and, and do the things that I do. I didn't start there. It was a slow, gradual thing. Like I think epiphanies are much rarer than people assume. 
it's mostly about like, hey, I'm interested in that. I'm going to pursue it a little bit and see where it goes. Like, and then it, you become more certain of things over time. So I think that's part of the problem is, is people think that it's magically all clear. Like when I dropped out of college, I almost didn't. Like I dropped out of college to, to take a job offer that I thought was going to be good. But I was really nervous and I thought it might be the, the wrong thing, but I was willing to roll the dice and see if it worked out, knowing that I could always go back, that I wasn't going to starve to death. There's lots of different options. Now, in retrospect, it was clearly the right thing to do. And the, the path, there's sort of this narrative there, like it was ordained the whole time, but it really wasn't. I was interested in this thing and I was pretty good at it. And I was willing to invest and see where it went. And that's what opened up the opportunities. It was not... I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that dropping out of college was the right thing for me and that that's what I was going to do. I love that. I really do. I wrote a post about that specifically, just creating more opportunities. I mean, mm -hmm. seeking them out, getting uncomfortable. And I know we're going to talk about that, but just uh, it's one of the reasons we started podcasting four years ago, just curiosity. And I think that's such a, a big attribute to have is just be curious and then let yourself see where it goes. Totally, totally. And so on that, oftentimes you'll find something you like and then you start working towards it and you realize, man, this, this is hard. Like this is going to be hard. And you start researching the niche and you see other people that are successful. You compare yourself to them. You just started maybe six months ago, a year ago, a week ago, and you're going to run into those obstacles, which is what I was really excited to talk to you about because that is your book, man. It's, right. it's embrace those obstacles. So just give it to me. What do you think about that? Just obstacles in general. Sure. Look, they're supposed to exist and they're supposed to be hard. If they weren't, if they weren't there, they didn't exist. Everyone would do it. And there probably wouldn't be much like wealth is created by scarcity, right? So it's the fact that there's not many people who've been successful at the thing that you're trying to do that makes it worth doing. That's you're carving a new path. There's going to be shit in the way. So don't fool yourself into thinking that, you know, something that you want to do that you think is going to be worthwhile, that you're going to be successful at is going to be easy. It's by definition, it's not going to be. And what I what I say in the book and what I wrote it all about is, is this idea that it comes from the philosophy known as stoicism, which is that, you know, we don't control what happens to us. We don't control what obstacles we face. We control how we respond to those obstacles. And the formula in the book, which which comes from Marcus Aurelius, he says, you know, the impediment to action advances action, what stands in the way becomes the way. And that's the attitude that you want to look at an obstacle with. It's like, hey, look, this isn't what I wanted to be here. This is not what I was expecting to be here. But this is a different opportunity for me to to be great, to, to be creative, to be courageous, to persevere, to persist, to work hard. This thing is an opportunity for me to be excellent in some way. And if you do that, the obstacle is actually not an obstacle. It's an opportunity. That actually was a very clear way of putting it. The obstacle almost provides the jumping off point, if you will. Like uh -huh. until you hit that and conquer it, you're, you're not really doing anything special. Is that kind of a fair uh, yeah, assessment? exactly. Look, you're doing whatever it is that you're doing. And then life intervenes or the world intervenes. And now you have a chance, you have a, you have a choice. You can be frustrated by it, you can be upset by it, or you can say, okay, this is a different avenue that I need to go on. Just like you're driving down the street and there's a red light, so you turn or you wait or you reroute your directions. Like you have a choice. 
And railing against something you cannot change is an option. I just don't suggest taking it. <laughs> that reminds me of the post you wrote about uh, when the horn went out on your car. I, yeah, I, I, right. I love it because I drive in D.C. almost every day. And I just want to punch people sometimes. But you, you look around and you're screaming in your car. And nobody cares, man. Nobody cares. what You, you know, they don't you're not going to change anything. Right. Exactly. <laughs> so let's talk about stoicism, because when I first read that, I was thinking, OK, I've I haven't dove into the that idea before. So I just know being stoic is kind of courageous. Right. I would just. Right. But you you dive into it way more than that. And you use historians and philosophers. So what have you uncovered that is stoicism? Sure. So Stoicism is is obviously, it's a philosophy. It's from ancient Greece and Rome. It was popular with all sorts of different individuals. It's really interesting. The, the two most prominent Stoics were Marcus Aurelius, who was the emperor of Rome, and Epictetus, who was a, a former slave. So you basically have this philosophy that was designed for essentially two opposite lifestyles, right? One, which is unlimited success, and then the other, which is endless hardship. And this, the philosophy is designed to help you cope with either. And it's this idea of controlling yourself, controlling your emotions, controlling your reactions, controlling your expectations, because, again, you don't control other people. You don't control external events. You control yourself. And so it's this philosophy that, you know, because of its nature, was is is eminently practical and therefore, you know, appreciated by soldiers, by politicians, by statesmen, um, by entrepreneurs, by writers, by by people who are out there really doing stuff. Um, it's not, in fact, college professors don't really like talking about it because it's not, there's not much room for interpretation. It's like how you, it's it's really, it's how you live. And so I wanted to take this this philosophy, which is how to live, how to be a good person, and specifically apply it to something we all face, which is, you know, adversity and difficulties along the road of trying to accomplish a task or start an organization or, you know, pursue a passion or something like that. We face obstacles. And to me, stoicism is a framework or an operating system, if you will, that allows you to, to, to actually do that. I was watching this video the other day. And they were talking about how our emotions lead to our actions and our actions lead to our outcomes. Mm -hmm. And it seems very much, you know, that that's kind of what you're alluding to. It's like the only thing you can control is the way you're going to react to something. And that is very well going to change your actions, which is your life. I mean, the outcomes are that. Yeah, look, and the first thing we do when we face most problems is we have an emotional reaction to them that makes it worse, right? You get fired and you tell your, you don't say like, hey, look, I don't work there anymore. You say, my life is ruined. I'm never going to get another job again. I've been mistreated. This is so unfair. You tell yourself a story that makes it significantly more involved and difficult than it than it could be with a simpler, more straightforward story. And so stoicism is about preventing that sort of extrapolation, that needless interpretation, and looking at things very objectively and very clear-headedly, and then getting to work. So it's like, yes, your your emotions affect your actions. So if you can regulate those emotions, no one's saying you can't have them or you should totally suppress them. It's just about eliminating the destructive ones that make difficult situations needlessly more difficult. And one of the things I really like, and I, I respect you for this, is that when I was reading some of your writing, 
I just read like your house got broken into and you got in a car accident and all this stuff in, in like one week. Yeah, this was uh, in November. The the article you're referring to is a repost, but yeah, okay. in, in November, I in, in the span of three days, I almost died in a car accident, and then just as I was recovering from that, uh, we got a call and our house had been broken into. Basically, everything we we'd owned had been stolen. So it was not a it was not a super fun week. This all, all happened after I wrote the book, so it was it was a in a way you, like there's many different opportunities at every obstacle, but it was a chance for me to practice my own message in a very real unavoidable way but the idea was okay this bad thing happened to me i can feel like the world is kicking me when i'm down i can feel like i'm unlucky i can feel like i got screwed over or i can say like hey some stuff i own got stolen it's just stuff i almost got hurt in an accident but i didn't it could have been significantly worse than it was so what am i going to do with this how is my life going to be made stronger from this and so i decided i would look at it all as sort of a wake-up call it's like look i'm getting older i have to be more responsible as a driver like the accident wasn't my fault but i have I have to be responsible. What was I driving in the middle of the night for? Was this a good idea? Was it necessary? What were the things that I was putting off dealing with in my house that allowed me or presented the opportunity for me to be broken into? How can I prevent that in the future? How can I leave this whole thing, which I didn't choose to have inflicted on me, but it, it did. So how can I leave this you know, stronger, more resilient, better off? And then it, I won't look back on this as something horrible that happened to me. I would just look at it as something that had a positive outcome. And now a quick word from one of this week's sponsors. Smart People Podcast is supported by Wealthfront, the automated investment service that makes it easy to invest your money the right way. Wealthfront software manages your money using investment strategies that were previously only available to the wealthiest investors for just one quarter of the cost of using a traditional advisor. Wealthfront monitors your account 24-7, automatically rebalancing your portfolio, reinvesting dividends, and working to maximize your after-tax returns. Wealthfront is also overseen by a team of investment experts, the same experts who helped launch the index fund revolution and who've written some of the most important books in finance. In case you're still not convinced, you should know that Wealthfront manages over $2 billion in client assets and has saved millions of dollars on taxes for its clients. So with Wealthfront watching over your investments every day, what will you do with all your extra time? Visit Wealthfront.com slash smart people to get your first $10,000 managed for free. Wealthfront Inc. is an SEC-registered investment advisor. Brokerage services are offered through Wealthfront Brokerage Corporation, member FINRA and SIPC. This is not a solicitation to buy or sell securities. Investing in securities involves risks and there is a possibility of losing money. Past performance is no guarantee of future results. Please visit Wealthfront.com to read their full disclosure. Back to the show. Right. And and for the listeners, I realized that that last question could have sounded like I was saying, I respect you because this happened to you. That wasn't <laughs> that wasn't at all. What I, what I was saying was I respected the way you wrote about it because you said, here's what happened and it sucked. I dealt with some stuff. And then I decided to make this my reaction to it. And like you said, we're allowed to feel it. We just have to regulate it. We have to keep that in mind as opposed to just react, get pissed, you know, get depressed, whatever it might be. You know, in a car accident, your body has a chemical response. So I'm not saying like I shrugged off this car accident. I was freaked the hell out. It was terrible. But I had to say like, okay, am I going to let this 
be something that I'm afraid of driving from now on? Am I going to be angry about this? Am I going to like lock myself in a hotel room? Like, what am I going to do? And I had a choice and I tried to make a good choice. And then I tried to talk about it and share what I got from it. Because look, at the very least, even if something terrible happens to you and you can do nothing about it, but just swallow it and take it, you can at least help other people. And then it's sort of on the whole wasn't universally terrible, right? And another thing that you mentioned, this idea that we have continually gotten better at creating a a bubble, if you will, right? Like a, a pseudo safe environment. And you, when you mentioned Marcus Aurelius, I was thinking about how I was watching Gladiator just a uh-huh. couple of days ago. I friggin' love that movie. And But life back then or when I watched Game of Thrones, I mean, it was tough, man. Like people sure. just getting offed and starving and all this stuff. I, I feel like there's they undoubtedly had more grit. They undoubtedly yeah. were more stoic. It just had to be. And we're losing Because they didn't that. have a choice. And that's yeah. what you thats what you want to realize is like, it's not like they had some capacity that you don't have. They just didn't have a luxury that they chose to indulge instead. You, you have the exact same physical, mental, spiritual capabilities of basically the last, I don't know, let's say 15,000 years of humans or 100,000 years. Like, it starts to become a complicated matter of of your opinion about evolution, but you more or less have the exact same capacities physically, mentally, spiritually as Marcus Aurelius did writing in the year 170 AD. He just had to face certain things that you don't have to face and therefore did fine because he he didn't soften himself by running from them constantly. And and if you expose yourself and you, you build those muscles, you are going to have them when you need them. And I would much rather be overprepared for something than caught completely off guard. And, and and I think most people agree with that. Absolutely. And the way, I mean, the way you kind of contrast the two between just what society is today versus what it was, it shows right there how, you know, they were forced to face it. We're not mm-hmm. forced, but we still need to because we will be. It's not that yeah. we won't get it. It's just maybe few and far between. Totally. Look, I hope, you never have to use the the hardest parts about stoicism. And I hope I never have to use them, Mm -hmm. but I might. And again, I would much rather meditate about the things that could go wrong and have a contingency for dealing with them. Not obsessing over all the things that could go wrong, because that doesn't do you any good either, but have a general plan for what you would do if, if, you know, things went the other direction tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Um, and actually what the Stokes also say, though, is like, what if you became wildly successful tomorrow? Like, what if you, you won the lottery? That comes with its own host of problems and temptations. And if you're not prepared for that, if you haven't disciplined yourself, you're going to you're going to find that success is the worst thing that ever happened to you. I've heard that. I can't wait for that to be my problem. <laughs> on you know kind of ending this note on stoicism uh what are some actionable things that people can do you mentioned meditating i'd love for you to kind of go into that on what to meditate on or how to meditate and any other strategies you found that people can do now to increase their stoic capabilities sure look i think what we have in stoicism is a is an excellent set of source material from some of the smartest wisest people that ever lived the, and step one is sort of availing yourself to it i try to use this book as a as a sort of a bridge from them to us and so you read those things and it's just something you think about like when marcus aurelius like his his work is titled uh, meditations he doesn't mean it 
in the sort of the Eastern sense of meditation, he means like these are thoughts to himself. He's just writing things down that occur to him. He's just exercising this muscle over and over again. And and basically I think this the simplest and clearest sort of actionable step is like, look, here's the framework. Here's how you should think about problems, that they're actually opportunities, that it's a chance to practice excellence, um, that, that there's nothing that prevents you from sort of being a good person and responding that way. Now, actually apply that to the little situations that you face every day in your life and apply them and apply them and apply them and think about it until it becomes kind of like a, a second nature to you. I was only introduced to stoicism when I was 19 years old. I wasn't born with it, but every year I get a little better at it because I spend more time thinking about it, more time actually putting it into practice. And I hope that as I get older um, and as I face other things in my life, that is a trend that will continue. That's great. I really appreciate that. So to kind of wrap this up, I have two questions that I like to ask. And the first one is, what three things do you believe have contributed to your success? And that can be people, it can be your own characteristics, it can be circumstance. Sure. I would say uh, mentors, luck, right place, right time, which you can never underestimate. <laughs> and uh, focusing on being a well-adjusted, sane person. There are so many people that I see that are very talented, but they totally flame out because they can't handle their own their own issues, and they they blow through things that other people would totally kill for. Yeah, that is bizarre how that happens so often. I don't. Well, have you noticed anything like any reasons for that, or is it just they're not well uh, I think people think that it's not part of their job. You know, it's uh, like, oh, I'm good at my job, but I'm right. a crazy person who <laughs> is an endless source of drama. Those are two very different things. It's like, no, no one wants to employ that person. Right. Right. Okay. And then the, the last thing, which is, you know, the most important maybe is in your opinion, what does it mean to thrive? I think to thrive, it's to, it's to be able to do what you want to do every day and to be as protected from the highs and lows as much as possible. So to me, thriving is is that I'm not addicted to success and I'm not despondent over failure at the same time. I'm doing what I'm doing. I'm content with it. And I, and I'm focused on the, the present moment as much as possible. I love it. That's great stuff. Ryan, really, I, I took, I'm going to put links for this episode to your website at ryanholiday.net and your book, the obstacle is the way the timeless art of turning trials into triumph. But I can just tell after reading your stuff and talking to you, I love this stuff. The readers will love it. You know, is there anywhere else besides kind of your website and this book that you write or you speak or you talk that people can follow along? Yeah. So I try to write for, for many different sites. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter. I try to link to everything there. It's just at Ryan Holiday. And then on my site, I do a monthly email recommendation of, of books. And I recommend about 10 to 12 really amazing books that I read that month that I think are worth your time. It's something that started as a list of like 50 people, like mostly my friends. And now I think it's something like 18,000 people get it every month. And so <laughs> that might be a good place to start as well. Actually, real quick on that. I know you, yeah. you mentioned you read a ton of books. I, I saw that on your website. How, like, how many books do you go through and, and how do you find time to do that? I really want to know because I read. I'd love to read more. Have you ever looked uh, into speed I just reading? Make it, like, it's like nobody asks you how you have time to eat three meals a day, right? Because you just do it. Um, so I just I read a lot. It's really important to me. 
and I try to carry a book with me wherever I go, and I consider it to be part of my job. It's my job to read books just as it's my job to answer emails and answer the phone and do whatever else people consider to be part of their job. Well, Ryan, really, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule. Best of luck, and uh, you know, let me know if I can ever help you out. All right, much appreciated. Welcome back. I hope you all enjoyed that episode with Ryan Holiday. Don't forget his book, The Obstacle is the Way, The Timeless Art of Turning Trials into Triumph, can be found on Amazon or at your local bookstore. And if you do decide to purchase on Amazon, please do not forget to use the Amazon link at smartpeoplepodcast.com slash Amazon. If you want to find out more about Ryan or any of the books that he's read, and he has read a ton, head over to his website, ryanholiday.net. You can check out his reading list. You can subscribe to his book recommendation newsletter, all that good stuff. If you're looking to reach out to the show, you can drop us a line at smartpeoplepodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at smartpeoplepod. We're usually pretty responsive on there. So go ahead, shoot us a tweet. I mention this almost every show, but if you're looking for an easy way to support Smart People Podcast, please head over to iTunes or Stitcher and leave a rating and review over there. I hope this podcast has been a great start to your week. We've got some really great stuff coming up, so stay tuned, and we will see you all next week.